0: So last week, we stopped here at uh, birth control. So of course, we talk about uh, the physiology of estrogen and progestin. And as you know, uh, estrogen and progestin are used as birth control. Last week, we uh, talked about them uh, in their use for hormone replacement therapy. And so today, we're gonna just talk about you know, their use in, um, as a birth control agent. Their mechanism of action as a birth control agent, the mechanism is unknown, so you don't have to know anything if we don't know it. <laughs> just inhibit the ovulation, but it's not, you know, like, it's not really understood how. It just inhibits the ovulation. And what is important to know is like, there are two different categories. The most common uh, ones are the combination oral contraceptive, as I mentioned, it's more like for comfort purposes. And also because the combination, we saw that when they are used combination, they reduce the risk of cancer. Um, so, estrogen and progestin are the most commonly used uh, oral contraceptive. Then you have the progestin only uh, birth control pill, they are, they are known as mini pill. And, um, you know, mini pill because they are not as strong as the combination one, they have less thromboembolic effect but they cause more menstrual irregularity. So that's why they are not so, um, you know, common because women, we don't don't like to have irregular (laughs) periods. So that's why they are less popular. And now in terms of the combination oral uh, contraceptive, you probably know that there are like monophasic, biphasic, and triphasic. So monophasic, that means during the 21 days of um, the treatment, they contain the same amount of progestin and estrogen. The biphasic, you have different concentration of, progestin, of of progestin because as we talked about last week, the progestin is only released at the second half of the cycle. And then triphasic, it's also like different uh, dosage of um, hormone, so they are divided into three, three um, They have three colors, (laughs) and those three colors correspond to three different dosage of estrogen and progestin. In terms of adverse effects, we already discussed those adverse effects when we talk about estrogen and progestin uh, and their their effect on their own, so it's just, you know, a repeat. (laughs) Drug interaction, I also mentioned it, and what is important to know, yeah? Yes. And um, Yeah, you can also, you know, like you can also read Laney, but birth control pill are complicated and there are, you see like how many like <laughs> how many different brand and uh, the most common one are ethinyl and norethindrone uh, that's the most common estrogen and progestin that are in the pill. Uh, it's not as protective as the combination and the thing is, is those mini pill can be uh, prescribed. For example, if there is a woman who has a risk of uh, thromboembolesis, uh, for her it would be a better choice if really she wants to have uh, an oral contraceptive. If she, you know, there are other you know, contraceptive methods <laughs> but if she really wants to be on something that would be the alternative. Um, now, the drug interaction, what you have to know is that uh, some drugs reduce the effect of the oral contraceptive, and you probably know from the anti-epileptic lectures <laughs> that you know that's the main category of drug, and that's what I want you to know is that a woman who is on a contraceptive and an anti-epileptic, they have to watch if it's an old uh, anti-epileptic because it can reduce the effect of the oral contraceptive, and you can have unwanted pregnancy. Now the oral contraceptive, they are themselves inducer and inhibitor enzymatic, so that means they can um, reduce the effect of other drugs, such as warfarin, or they can uh, increase the effect of imipramine, which is, who knows which class of drug it is? This one here? Tricyclic. (laughs) Tricyclic. Um. (laughs) So, now let's talk about Yaz and Yasmin, which are newer um, oral contraceptive. And as I mentioned last week, so the uh, progestin in Yaz and Yasmin, it's only contained in those two pills. And the difference is just um, the dosage of, S estradiol in uh, Yaz and Yasmin. One is higher, um, I don't remember which one, but it's just the dosage, and so that's why one has more adverse effect than the other. And um, The advantage for this one is that uh, they are approved, and it's been proven that they treat um, the emotional and the physical symptom of pre-menstrual uh, um, dysphoric disorder. It's not PMI, but it's just it's really like the mood disorder that are related to um, the menstrual uh, period. It's not just the pain, it's really like the mood disorder. And uh, so for those of you who have severe uh, mood switch, <laughs> uh, that might be a good choice. Um, and so, also the you know there are differences. One is a twenty-one tablet, and actually has seven uh, tablet that are inactive ingredient. But so you, ju- you you just don't forget to take it every day. Just for seven days, you have inactive one, but you just continue to take it. And the other one is twenty-four and four, and so yeah. Oh, the the emotional work, and you use that. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they have both the drosperinone. So both contain, that's, the, that's that progestin actually that has the effect on uh, the mood switch. And that's the only two oral contraceptive who has it. So, uh, and the, um, the estrogen is the uh, ethenyl estradiol. Yeah. To seven, yeah, you have uh, like shorter period and lighter period when it goes to twenty four four. That's what the gynecologist claims. <laughs> so I guess again, you know, it's more like for the, I guess for the comfort and um, yeah, you have you know yeah lighter period and less uh, less pain and everything. <laughs> I, I mean, you can take like if you know like for instance you're gonna like go camping or something you can continually take it without the mm-hmm. placebos. Mm-hmm. I mean, clinically I think it's fine for you mm-hmm. to not. It's just to have that placebo like those pills mm-hmm. to have your period is just like a, a comfort thing or a yeah. thing you're not pregnant or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but you don't have to have them. So I think the shortening mm-hmm. shortening of the days is just. To, uh, yeah. Because even if you're not on birth control pills, some are gonna have one week period, some are gonna have, so it's probably also based on the physiology. You know. uh, now, there are other uh, formulation of contraceptives so They are non oral and uh, you probably heard about the, the patch. And for the, you know, what I want you to know about these methods is more like for your clinical, and you're gonna have, uh, of course, you're gonna have um, woman health probably, is it next year? Summer. Summer. But the difference with the patch is that they have to p- put one patch every week, and then they do uh, for three weeks, and then they remove for one week. So this, they have one patch every week for three weeks, and then uh, one week off. And then the ring is, um, you, it's a vaginal ring that is inserted for three weeks and then one week off. So that's, you know, you don't have to know what are the, the active ingredient, but more like what is the cycle and how it's, um, it is used. Now the long active contraceptive, uh, they are mainly uh, progesterone uh, devices. And you have first um, the implants. So they are little uh, implants that are actually, um, they are surgically uh, inserted. And so these are little capsules that you insert on the inside of uh, of the arm and they can be uh, in place for five years. But it requires like a, a, a little uh, surgery, like anesthesia. Uh, No, you have the um, depot medroxyprogesterone. So if you remember from the principle, we talk about the depot preparation, which are like long-acting, released, and because they are non-soluble, when you do an intramuscular injection of those preparation, like the solubilization takes a while, and so you have a release of it uh, over time. So that's why it's a long, uh, long long-acting. Is just takes time to uh, solubilize, and then when it's soluble, it just you know, goes to the blood and so on and so on. And so they last for uh, three months. And they can also be sub-Q, but most of the time it's like uh, intramuscular. And then finally, you have the intrauterine device. Copper is not really known how it works, but it has a contraceptive effect. And so those there are three devices that are approved, and the other two are uh, progesterone only. So here, you know, again, what you have to know is that there are other forms than oral contraceptive, and they are mainly progesterone only. Um, no emergency contraception. So, you know, sometimes that can happen. They are not taking precautions, <laughs> and then uh, they need uh, emergency uh, contraceptive after the intercourse. And there are two different regimen. One regimen, it's a combination, so progesterone and um, estrogen. And if you look at, I'm not asking you to remember the dose, but if you compare with a regular oral contraceptive, they are way more uh, concentrated, so higher dose of estrogen and progesterone. And the first dose of uh, that uh, emergency pill has to be taken within 72 hours after the intercourse. And the second dose has to be taken 12 hours after the first one. And the other one, the Plan B, is just a progestin only, but same um, same schedule, 72 hours after the intercourse and then 12 hours after the first dose. The way they work, um, they may prevent the ovulation, but because they are also effective on the second cycle of the, of the uh, the menstrual cycle, so it's not clear how they work because if they prevent ovulation, but they also work after the ovulation, that means there there is something something else. So, <coughs> that's for the emergency uh, contraception. So, what you have to know: two different type, Plan B use and uh, use P regimen, and the difference between the two. Yeah. Yeah, because you know when they take an emergency pill, they are of course. Is it because you know the ovulation is over and they just take it as a precaution because they just want to make sure that they're not becoming pregnant? Because you have to take it, you know, like 72 hours after uh, the intercourse. So is it because you know they would not get pregnant anyway? Because they take it and you know it works, or is it really the mechanism of action of the pill? Because it's not that easy to become pregnant. So. Um, but yeah, it's not known exactly when, when it's effective after um, the ovulation time. Now, drugs for uh, medical abortion. Um, the drug that is approved by the FDA is called Mifepristone, or it's also known as RU486, or Mifeprex, um, so it's administered uh, orally. And this one is a partial agonist of the progesterone. So, so far we talk about estrogen, but this one is a progesterone um, receptor agonist. And uh, it's, a, it's a partial agonist. So a partial agonist has both property, can act as an agonist, but also as an antagonist. So it's a mixed action. And uh, so you're gonna block the uterine progesterone receptor. Also has some effect on uh, glucocorticoid glucocorticoid uh, receptors, but you know this action does not contribute to the abortive property. The uh, abortive property really result from uh, its action on the progesterone receptor, and so um, the FDA approved this for uh, the medical termination of uh, pregnancy through uh, day 49. So that means it's like really early, at the beginning of. Uh, the pregnancy, or actually when the woman is going to know that she's pregnant. Uh, and so it will lead to the detachment of the conceptus. Of course, the adverse effect, because it's going to induce you know, contraction, uh, you can have vaginal bleeding, abdominal pain, and nausea. Yeah. It depends, you know, this you really have to do it very early. And then there is another drug, I'm not going to talk about it today, but we'll talk about it when we talk about GI, uh, because it's a drug that is used for peptic ulcers, but also has some effects on um, on the vaginal contraction, and it's used off-label as vaginal tablets. so it really depends, and I'm sure from one state to another, it's also gonna depend on who is doing it. <laughs> now, the drugs that are used to treat female infertility, and um, so clomid or uh, clomiphene citrate. This is usually the first uh, drug that is used. In women infertility, so there are like different steps in treated infertility, and this one is usually the first. Of course, if the if it's a problem of anovulation, you know, if it's a problem with the the partner that doesn't have any sperm, that's something, uh, or any um, spermatozoa in the sperm, that's something different. But this works for women who are um, are um, anovulatory anavut- women. So this one works to promote ovulation that would be the first drug that is tried. And so it's an anti-estrogen E-block. So ER is for estrogen receptor. And that was a question of the take home. Any bit the feedback? Uh, like the negative effect on uh, the pituitary glands. So by this mechanism it's gonna increase the secretion of um, FSH, because inhibit the negative feedback. So if inhibit the negative feedback is like it has a positive effect on the pituitary gland. So increase the secretion of FSH and LH. FSH and LH are gonna have an effect on um, the stimulation of the ovaries and then promote um, the follicular maturation and the ovulation. So is it, is it acting on the target? On the target? It's an anti, yeah, it's an anti-oestrogen. <laughs> Which story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the target cell. That's, uh, that's the answer of the test. That's the answer. Because, you know, the main point of the negative feedback is to regulate the, the hormone secretion, you know, like the final, like the target hormone, organ, yeah. And uh, the adverse effect, because it's an anti-estrogen, uh, you have hot flashes, and you probably know that if you know anybody who, uh, who uh, is trying to get uh, pregnant and is using uh, this kind of pills, that most of the time it results in uh, multiple births and twins, so um, that's one of The adverse effect, (laughs) this is Um, (laughs) Octomom. You probably haven't seen the pictures. (laughs) Yeah, Octomom. So now, when the the Clomid doesn't work, the next step is to uh, try the injection. So you probably heard about those uh, injection and it's a sequential Injection. So the first um, hormone that is injected are the human menopausal gonadotropin. and um, these are um, they have both um, effect like LH and FSH, and they are extracted from a postmenopausal um, woman from the urine of postmenopausal uh, woman, and then once. Um, The maturation of the endometrium, and the the endometrium is ready for the ovulation. Then the woman is going to receive the HCG, which is the human uh, chorionic gonadotropin, which is produced by uh, the placenta. And this one is extracted from urine uh, of pregnant women. And so it's a sequential combination, and this one uh, promotes both the follicular maturation and the ovulation. in women with ovulatory failures, these are very expensive treatment. and this I showed this, you know, just to you to raise some ethical issues because you know we're in LA and we know that there are a lot of things that are unethical. So you know, it's not only the doctor is responsible for you know, of course, he's the one who ultimately did. The injection but you know there is all the team who was involved in screening that you know ladies and she should not have received uh, the treatment in first place i think is it also that someone, um, inject just to, try to stay pregnant or that it No so that's different like if they they are pregnant and they start having contraction, that's what that's yeah. the one yeah that they're going to actually get progestin just to avoid uh, contraction. But this one is really at the, fir- like the first stage. Like if Clomid doesn't work, then they will receive this, and if this doesn't work, then they do in vitro. Uh, but they also use this during the in vitro uh, fecundation. Yeah. For HCD, you're it's extracted from a pregnant Yes, because it's produced by the placenta. I don't know if it's the ph- No, I guess it's the pharmaceutical company. Who, uh, no, that's from the pharmaceutical company because it's really standardized, and they have to, you know, these come in vials, and it's produced by pharmaceutical companies. It's not something that they will inject to you that they collected from <laughs> from your neighbors or. <laughs> yeah. So these are used together. You would never use one. Nothing the other. No. It's sequential, so you use the, yeah, you have to inject both, yeah. That's why, you know, I don't know if you know anybody who was on that treatment, but it's a kind of, it's a heavy treatment, and it has to be injected at a particular time, and uh, and I did it with, I'm working with mice, and I did this uh, <laughs> with mice to induce uh, ovulation in mice, so, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just because it has the LH, you know, like those, if, you are, uh, if you are not uh, fertile, that means those women, they don't produce estrogen, maybe they don't produce progestin, that means, you know, the negative feedback mechanism, and maybe their LH and FSH is not working, so you just want to give them LH and FSH to stimulate the production of their own estrogen and progesterone, and then to increase the maturation and induce the ovulation. So that's why the woman, you know, it only works actually if she has a problem of ovulation. But if she's totally uh, not fertile, she's not going to be able to. That's why it's failing sometimes, you know, and they they cannot get pregnant, is that if there is a problem that is more severe than that. You know, that's happened if you were on a uh, birth control pill for a while, and sometimes that can happen, or a woman who has like miscarriages. just to restore, some. for some ladies gonna take more time just to reju- uh, restore the menstrual cycle, or women who have thyroid problem, also sometimes they need this kind of treatment. Another thing, going back to these slides, um, about, it was actually in the uh, oral contraceptive, or the contraceptive one, uh, the different forms that you mentioned, um, where like you can have a certain and stuff. Uh-huh. Just to like cover themselves? Yeah, and also because, you know, like you can implant them for five years and I would say, you know, I would not recommend this kind of implant in a young woman because you still want, you know, to make sure that you're, uh, you're going to be uh, active Sorry. and you Yeah, ha- but they don't know exactly, I'm, I'm sure it's also, you know, for, for their uh, safety but you know after when you you don't want kids anymore and you don't want to deal with the oral contraceptive it's a good method because you know it's there for 5 years or as you said you can remove them earlier but um, i wouldn't recommend this for uh, young uh, women yeah oh this relates to the next slide on on what oh, okay Uh-huh. What is the answer to that? Okay, I'm going to have a slide at the end, but actually the three types, you mean like the first question on the, t- on the study yeah. guide? Yeah. is like steroid hormones, ho- peptide hormone, like insulin, and then uh, you have uh, like the thyroid hormone, for example, it's a different class of, it's more like the chemical uh, structure of them. And I have a slide at the end. Um, yeah, so you know, I know that the, this is not really you know nice to see, but it's more like to raise like all those ethical issues um, about it. And as I said, it can uh, cause hyperstimulation syndrome and multiple births. So androgen. Now guys can be happy for a little bit. They are going to talk about their own <laughs> hormones. Uh, so the main, uh, the major um, endogenous androgen is testosterone, and it's made by uh, the Leydig cells of the testes. Actually, it's converted by the fi- uh, five alpha reductase. So testosterone itself is not the biologically active, active form. It needs to be converted by that five alpha reductase into uh, dehydrotestosterone, which is the uh, the active form and which is the one that binds to uh, the nuclear receptor. And its synthesis is also regulated by a negative feedback mechanism, and LH and FSH are also the pituitary hormone that are acting on the um, testosterone uh, synthesis and release. Physiologic and pharmacologic effects. Uh, Of course, you know, uh, testosterone is responsible for uh, the virtual transformation in uh, boys. It's also responsible for the spermatogenesis uh, in men. As anabolic effects, so you probably heard about uh, abuse in uh, sports and uh, especially in baseball. for not you know, citing any names, but uh, so they promote the skeletal uh, growth so they can increase the muscle mass and so if you need to enhance your performance, if you have to throw balls very far, <laughs> that might be <laughs> helpful. And also has some uh, erythropoietic effects, so EPO is also another uh, agent that is used or abused uh, for uh, enhancing uh, athletic performance. And EPO is actually a red blood cell booster, so increase the production of red blood cells. And if you have more red blood cells, that means you have more oxygen, and so you're gonna increase your stamina and your endurance. So that might be helpful for some cyclist who has to, you know, (laughs) do the true difference (laughs) and bike for a month and... Because you're European doesn't mean you can bash him. (laughs) But also, I'm a doping control officer, and so I'm testing people, and uh, (laughs) I know everything about (laughs) what they can (laughs) do, so I'll do a test at the end, who wants to pin a car? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's the thing. And right now, actually, there is no method to um, detect like uh, autologous uh, transfusion. So that's the new thing. Now they are trying to, uh, you know, do some blood transfusion from them and then reinject it. Um, you cannot test for that. They cannot. They don't have. Uh, they don't have tests for it. They can test blood transfusion from donors, but they cannot detect if they do their own. Yeah. Yeah, right now, and you know, same thing for EPO. The thing, I'm sure it was used for a while, and because all those recombinant protein, they are, they are not easy to detect. Like, the tests are, are not very sensitive, and of course, if they are cheating, you know, they are not gonna use uh, <laughs> a lot of them, and, and that's why now, in terms of doping control program, we try to test them uh, out of competition, and they try to do, like, um, biologic passport and test them, test their blood, um, Especially for for cyclists, uh, like do their biologic passport to determine if all of a sudden you know you see you have a boost into uh, their red blood cells. <laughs> that means either they receive a blood transfusion or a lot. Of course, they are gonna they are gonna practice in altitude before you know competition. But that's you know that's allowed as long as it's, you know they have values they have range that they cannot you know go over. But uh, yeah. Uh-huh. to, um, you know, the line, but um, you know, to the, the, so body gets used to having less oxygen. Of uh-huh. It's almost like, you, you know, like how people train in altitude. Yeah, but yeah. They do know. Yeah, and that's why, you know, like, for those athletes, yeah. you know, they do over time, not just on competition, because most likely they are not going to use it during the competition. Yeah. I think no, <laughs> they know, like, but I'm sure, like, they are already using some probably some new chemical that we don't know and we don't know how to test it until they do and go and find, you know, a lot of them in their rooms and <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened with Epo, you know, they they had suspicion and then they found like vials and vials and and then now they start testing for it. But yeah, so that was for the doping control thing. Um, so yeah, testosterone, when it's, you know, um, used appropriately, uh, it's used for uh, male hypogonadism, so for male who are not producing enough uh, testosterone, and then for delayed puberty. So in that case, um, it's not an absolute necessity, but sometimes, you know, boys who don't have their puberty on time, they start to have psychological uh, problem, and not only for the boy, but for the family. So it can be um, administered for that. is is not a necessity, but more you know, if the psychological effect cannot be managed, then they can uh, use it. Breast cancer, so some uh, testosterone are used uh, in advanced and metastatic um, breast carcinoma. Also, there was, you know they can be used in replacement therapy in postmenopausal uh, women because if you remember from last week. Testosterone can be converted in uh, estrogen, so they can get a f- small amount, and so sometimes it can be used for hormone resp- replacement therapy in uh, postmenopausal women. And you know, if it's appropriate, uh, can be used for catabolic, catabolic states, so to increase uh, the muscle mass in patient with AIDS. But of course, <laughs> uh, it's not, you know appropriately used for uh, athletic performance such as baseball and cyclism and sprinters um, the adverse effect virilization so more uh, masculine sign uh, such hair growing uh, if it's used by a man is not too bad but if it's a woman who has postmenopause um, hepatotoxicity, they are highly hepatotoxic, so that's also why you know some of those athletes were abusing it. They have to be careful with their uh, liver function. Also cholesterol effect, it has a bad uh, cholesterol effect. Reduce the good cholesterol and increase the bad one. Can cause edema, gynecomastia, uh, which is the development of breast in uh, male or female. That's also part of the conversion to estrogen, because if you get more testosterone, you're going to get more estrogen, too. It's just like the masculization, like, you know, hair, mustache. (laughs) And then the abuse uh, potential, and so it's a Schedule 3. I don't know if you talk about the Control uh, Substance Act, but we'll talk about next order when we, we will see the opioid, but you probably know that some drugs are uh, controlled, and like um, the schedule one are the ones that are the most, um, they have the most potential of abuse, such as cocaine, uh, amphetamines are schedule one, and then you go two, three, four, five, six, and then less uh, risk of abuse, but still with a risk of abuse, and so on and so on. And so because of the abuse potential, you know, um, in that case for um, athletic performance, it's a Schedule tree. Here is the slide that you are looking for. <laughs> the type of hormones, so <coughs> peptide hormone, insulin and growth hormone, thyroid derivatives such as thyroid hormones, and then the steroid um, hormones. And now we are gonna talk about the drug used for breast cancer and prostate cancer. So I'm talking about this because they are, you know, very frequent cancer in women and men. And they are um, oral treatments, so they are adjunct therapy, um, either to surgical uh, procedures. So in case of breast cancer, it can be a removal of the tumor or sometimes removal of the breast. Um, Same thing in male, they can have surgery and remove the prostate. So there are adjunct therapy and uh, some women don't need to have chemotherapy for breast cancer. They might have radiation and then um, with the CIRMs, um like the studies show that if a woman take a CERM for uh, five years after the surgery, it will increase uh, or actually reduce the, um, uh, the incidence by uh, approximately 50%. So that's why you recommend it for a woman who has breast cancer to take those drugs for at least five years to reduce uh, the risk of remission. Um, so <clears throat> you have the anti-estrogen and the first uh, class of antiestrogen are the selective estrogen receptor modulators or SERMs. We talked about SERM last week with Boniva I didn't put it on this slide so then you don't, you are not confused with the indication, but I'm just hoping that you will make the connection <laughs> for the mechanism of action. Um, so the one that is used for the treatment of breast cancer, I only listed one, there are several of them, but tamoxifen was the first uh, one and is the most also uh, widely used. Then you have the pure estrogen receptor antagonists. So this one are kind of partial agonists, so they have both effects. And then you have estrogen receptor antagonists. That's the only one, it's Fulvestrant. And then a newer uh, class of drug, which are the aromatase inhibitors. And then finally, the monoclonal uh, antibody. This is chemotherapy, so this one you don't have to know. It's a chemotherapy agent, and this is for women who needs to have uh, chemotherapy and who, has, uh, who are positive for um, the HER2 receptor. Now, let's talk about the CERM. So um, as I said, they are uh, partial agonists, so they have mixed effects on the estrogen receptor. They can block the estrogen receptor in some tissue and activate in others. And for Jennifer, I check and there is receptor on the GI, on the mucosa of the intestinal. Um, so, on the breast cancer cells, they are going to block the estrogen receptor on breast cancer cells that are uh, hormonodependent dependent tumor, and in that case, they will prevent the activation of those receptor and block the cell proliferation and the tumor growth. So they are indicated in estrogen-receptor-positive tumor because it needs the receptor to bind to it. If the tumor is not hormonodependent, dependent this drug is not gonna be uh, effective. And so as I said, it's adjunct to surgery, radiation, or chemotherapy. And also there are some studies showing that it can prevent uh, breast cancer in healthy women, but who are at risk of uh, developing uh, breast cancer. Uh, Main adverse effect is hot flashes, fluid retention, nausea, vomiting, and then can increase the risk of um, endometrial cancer and thrombosis with uh, tamoxifen. Now the new uh, class of drugs are the aromatase inhibitors, um, and this one blocked the yeah. With the with the serums or this is with tamoxifen especially, yeah. Above fifty, I don't know, I have to check, yeah. Um, so the aromatase inhibitors. So aromatase is the enzyme that uh, is used for the conversion of uh, androgen into estrogen um, in the peripheral tissue, so they reduce the estrogen production. They're also uh, used as adjunct treatment um, for the treatment of ER, uh, ER-positive breast cancer. And now uh, in terms of adverse effects, so that's why I have this one right here. so it's a new class of drug, and so generally this is well-tolerated. And I don't know if I mentioned it, but my mom had uh, breast cancer. And she was first on Tamoxifen. And then they switched her to uh, the new aromazin because it's a newer class of drug, fewer adverse effects. And what happened is that she was among the 25% who developed the musculoskeletal. Pain, but she was like the pain was really severe, and then she had like her uh, finger and her leg swollen. She couldn't wear, you know, any ring, and uh, she really she was in severe pain. So, her gynecologist said, "Oh, yeah, you probably has um, like rheumatoid arthritis," and so she went to uh, a rheumatoid uh, specialist, and he said, oh, "Yeah, you have rheumatoid arthritis." <laughs> and then I read this article, so I started to do my research, and actually. Um, if you read, this was a, uh, a paper in LA time, there are more than 25% of women who experience those adverse effects, and actually you have uh, not 5% of the women who discontinue the treatment, but you have 25% at least who discontinue the treatment because of uh, the adverse effects. And so first they put her on cortisone. She had methotrexate. She has all those uh, drugs to treat the adverse effect of the drug because they were thinking it was rheumatoid arthritis. And I convinced her, you know, (laughs) to go back to tamoxifen. And so she talked to her gynecologist, switched back to tamoxifen. And of course, she wanted to stop. Another problem with most, I think, women who had breast cancer is that because if they feel good after one year or two years, they don't want to be on uh, tamoxifen or on on those drugs because they think, you know. But I convinced her, and uh, it's been more than five years. So sh- knock on wood, and uh, she she's not taking anything. But she had, you know, those hot flashes with tamoxifen and um, those adverse effects. So it's not. You know, so well tolerated and um, also re- uh, increase the risk of osteoporosis and uh, hip fracture because you reduce the estrogen production. So you have less estrogen that is used for uh, the bone uh, um, that to kill the osteoclast. And so you, you are high, at higher risk of developing uh, the uh, adverse effects. And so that's why they, they need to have. Uh, you know, uh, bone density every six months, and you know all that, just to make sure everything is working well. Uh, no drug for prostate cancer. Two type of drugs. Um, you have the G- GnRH um, agonist. So GnRH is a drug. It's a hormone that is uh, produced by um, the hypothalamus, and it's going to stimulate the pituitary gland. And this one is used for the prostate cancer, and actually at the beginning of the treatment, because it stimulates the glands, it's gonna actually increase the testosterone release because it stimulates the pituitary gland which stimulates um, the testosterone synthesis. And so patient on this um, Luprolide, they can have a trans, uh, transient flare in the cancer symptom at the beginning, but as the treatment you know, uh, progresses, the receptor become desensitized, so they are not responding, and that's when the, the real effect that you want to see um, start to occur, so you have a reduction of testosterone production, because the, the receptor on the pituitary gland start to be not sensitive anymore to the release, or actually to the GnRH, and so you have a release of testosterone uh, production, and this treatment is uh, often referred as the chemical castration, So patients who don't want to have a surgery, they can take this, so it's um, it's a chemical uh, castration. And um, the second group of agents that are used for the treatment of uh, prostate cancer is an androgen receptor blocker, which is flutamide. And this one is used in combination, either with a surgical castration or with a chemical castration. It's not used as a single uh, therapy. And because it's an androgen receptor blocker, it just blocks the androgen receptor on the tumor cell. And then finally, the last class, then we'll take a break. Uh, drug for erectile dysfunction, I think everybody knows Viagra and Cialis, and if you watch CNN during Larry King Live, <laughs> you probably just see a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> of Cialis because it's probably the population who is watching yes. <laughs> the the you know Larry King Live so it's like Cialis all the time and it talks about all oh, the adverse effects of those drugs anyway mechanism of action it's um they are both phosphodiesterase inhibitor the different ones act on the. PDE5 1 and th- the other one is PDE52 so there are two types of, of phosphodiesterase inhibitors and uh, what the phosphodiesterase do so when you have you know sexual arousal you have stimulation and <laughs> you have actually production of that cyclic GMP which is a potent vasodilator and the result of this is that you have, uh, the man is gonna experience the erection. Now, for those who need uh, Viagra, so that's uh, cyclic IMP, uh, GMP can be converted into GMP, which is not a vasodilator, and so the effect doesn't last and you you know, don't see the erection. But with Viagra, so it just block this enzyme. So that means you have the uh, cyclic GMP that is not degraded. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Uh, my question is, does sciaggia increase, I mean, I know it increases the hardness that makes <laughs> it hard, but uh-huh. does it make them more horny to like, want to do it? No. Mm-hmm. I know that some men, they like to try them, because <laughs> but, but actually, you know, the yeah. thing, the way they, um, <laughs> like Pfizer, the way they discovered this, You know, that drug was actually uh, in a clinical trial for the treatment of hypertension. And that was one of the side (laughs) effects. And, um, but of course, you know, the dose is different, and so they use a lower dose for, and uh, and it was never approved for the treatment of hypertension, but that was one of the the adverse effects. And I work in one of those, you know, clinical trial units, and the nurses who were there, they were explaining, you know, (laughs) the effect they were seeing during the clinical trial. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why, but I think they realized that they were gonna make more money. <laughs> and that's why you know the stock of Pfizer went up in the, I don't know when it, oh yeah, 98, like the stock doubled. Oops. If it was for hypertension, they would not have the same, you know, beneficial effect. Uh, <laughs> I... Sorry, one more question. Why is it bad to have an erection for more than six hours Because it's painful. <laughs> 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 I don't know, I'm not a guy, but I'm sure. <laughs> oh my God, my friend. So that's why if you call like if you uh watch the yeah, commercial, sure. they said, "Oh, if you have an erection for more than four hours, just call your doctor. it's a medical emergency <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, like the blood is just yeah. Yeah, because, you know, like the enzyme work differently in the penis than the enzyme that is in the the lung. So, and again, they know this, you know, by using the Viagra that actually can have some beneficial effect for the treatment of pulmonary hypertension. And now it's used, it's even used in pediatric pulmonary hypertension. So if you work in the children's hospital (laughs) and you see sildenafil in the unit, (laughs) Uh, you have to know that it's not used for treatment of erectile dysfunction in kids. <laughs> yeah, they don't require as much to to see the effect in the lung. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that you have to know that. It's not only approved for erectile dysfunction, and it's a different name, but again, if you see the generic, you're going to see sildenafil in a, either like a pediatric unit or a, cardio, a cardiac unit. Uh, you have to know that it might not be for the treatment of erectile dysfunction, but it's used for uh, the treatment of uh, pulmonary uh, hypertension. And uh, so the other one, you know, now it seems like it's more uh, about CLs and it has a longer half-life, so it's better, less side effects, and um, so this one. Um, so hypotension, because they are potent vasodilator, that's one of uh, the adverse effects, yeah? So the 5 that's the enzyme that blocks <coughs> the right? It's phosphodiesterase inhibitors, PED phosphodiesterase, yeah. So it's phosphodiesterase, so PD5 is the enzyme that converts the cyclic GMP to GMP. So if you block that enzyme, you keep more cyclic GMP, and the cyclic GMP is the one that is responsible for the effects. So why do we have the number one and number two? There's two different type of enzymes, it's like isoforms. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, one of the adverse effects we mentioned it priapism. Then you can have some um, neuropathy, and this might be because of um, um, some blood flow issue and can damage the, the uh, neuropathic nerves. Uh, it's rare, but when it occurs, it's um, pretty damaging. And then uh, sudden air, uh, hearing loss, this is not really understood why, but patient can um, experience hearing loss. Now the drug interaction, so it's important, totally contraindicated with nitrates, because nitrate, they also uh, act on the cyclic GMP, and so they have a synergic effect, and uh, they act on the NO release, and you can have a life-threatening uh, hypotension in patient who use nitrates, so totally uh, contraindicated. Same thing with alpha blockers. So alpha blockers are a type of vasodilators. It's not as potent in terms of mechanism of action because it's different. It's not you know, really acting on the same cyclic uh, GMP. So there you have postural hypotension, not life threatening, but you don't want, you know, any patient who are on a anti-hypertensive drug, I would say, you have, they have to be careful if they want to use uh, Viagra. And then the, it's also, on, Inhibitor of uh, cytochrome P450. F- uh, so we're going to take a quick break. So then we can finish uh, drug of abuse and then do some eye clicker question. Because we also have to do the evals. Oh, you have to do it. <laughs>